What is happening, everyone? Hey, it's Nick from the Arsenal Bros Podcast, joined by Kevin and Ben. We are here to kick off Season 2 of the Arsenal Bros Podcast. Thanks so much for joining. We're excited to have you with us for the rest of the 22-23 season, but we're here getting a head start with the craziness that comes with the summer transfer window. Here we go. Welcome to see of the Arsenal Bros. We've officially tucked in the 20 season, and we are only looking forward from here to 23. We have the typical Bros with us today. Kevin, how are you doing? Doing great. I am on vacation right now, so I really can't complain. Wow, we're getting we're getting from vacation. What a blessing. Such a blessing. It, it shows your dedication to the Arsenal bros, and we appreciate it. And you know what? At the end of the day, Arsenal doesn't stop, so the pod can't stop. No matter what we're doing, where we're at, there's one constant in life, and that's the Arsenal. Wow. Hello? What's up, man? Happy birthday to us. I don't understand that statement. I mean, it's always our birthday, I guess, when we're talking about our beloved Gunners, isn't it? I was thinking season what... two. Maybe it's happy graduation, welcome to second grade. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, starting late in the season, we kind of accelerated. We kind of got a – we skipped a grade or jumped in. We, like, and started, like, halfway through the year. So I don't think it's technically our, our, our year, our year anniversary. But yeah, our graduation, and, and we're starting the next grade, but a full year of grade. Kind of terrifying. Yeah. Responsibility. Uh, it's it's yeah, a but, big responsibility. But... Benji crafted and curated some great questions for us today to kick off season two. So he will take on hosting duties today so i will kick off and i just rolled it right to you and uh, you can do with it what you please from here all right let's uh did you go for, did you go for goal from half obviously i just felt some david <laughs> beckham vibes come over me <laughs> and i said go for goal but uh a lot's happened in the last week since we've recorded um we have our new signings, one uh, official that we did talk about, one is a throwback and one is probably going to be announced by the time this is released. And so that would be Marquinhos, Eddie Nketia, and Pat, uh, I almost said Patrick Vieira. <laughs> uh, I wish Patrick Vieira was coming on board as a second manager, but um, no. We have a new signing also with the name Vieira. Uh, And uh, I know you guys are excited about all of these. We'll get into Eddie in a little bit, but but what do you notice about Marquinhos and Vieira? Well, to me, the Marquinhos, it seems like a faith with Sao Paulo and it seems like we're trying to start a connection there which I'm all for because we know how many players come 
Brazil. And I know a lot of people have seen the similarities with that with the Martinelli deal. And I mean, that's turned out great so far. I mean, it's really low risk, low reward. I he looks an exciting. He has some really legs. He's almost like a Roberto Carlos light as a winger, which uh, I thought was interesting. But loads of pace, very direct, which is one about other players, um, but seems to be something um, that Mikel likes out of his wingers. We get with Martinelli, we get that with Saka. Um, we you know, we're linked with players that have so like something it seems like a pipeline that Edu is looking to start. So, you know, I I think uh unless you're from Brazil and have watched him, he really hasn't even played that much over there about him, but seems like the signing is for the future, could be a lo loaned out, but I think he's given a chance will be given a chance in preseason and this deal to me seems more about the pipeline, which I'm all I'm all about. Yeah, I think Nick summed that up very well with Marquinhos. So much of what I've read, some of the comparisons I've seen, some some I like, some I like even more. But I saw him compared with Pepe, and I feel like I lose a little bit of dignity or authority on the pod when I speak positively of Pepe. But I think <laughs> early early on in his Arsenal career, he did some very good things for Arsenal. But the biggest knock on Pepe was always his defensive ability and work rate. And they say that Marquinhos has a much better work rate defensively. And I think we have seen that that's a big deal for Arteta. And so that, that part of it I like in I've also seen comparisons with Martinelli, who obviously we bought very cheaply and now has turned into a budding star for us. And the other interesting comparable I saw for Marquinhos was Douglas Costa from Bayern and the Bayern and Juve player. And kind of just calling him this stocky little left-footed player who can play all across the front and that also goes back to what Arteta seems to value is guys who are able to play multiple positions up there. So I think that that could be definitely a bright signing, almost nothing to lose with, with a $3 million fee that we paid for him. And if he turns out great, if he doesn't turn out, then maybe we resell him for five or 6 million to some other team and double our profits and keep that relationship with Sao Paulo. Yeah, that's that's a great point. It's a, it's a little high or low risk, high reward uh, type of signing. I wish I could just throw three million around. Uh, that would be <laughs> super nice. Um, but but I I can't. Uh, I think one thing with him is I watched some of uh, his highlights. It, I will note that I I've seen some high school highlights that have better film quality than some of his. <laughs> and so I think because of Martinelli as fans, we have to just temper expectations for this kid as he grows into whatever he may become. He becomes super highly rated. Uh, other Prem squads wanted him. 
so it's not it's talent ID is is there, but I think the jump Martinelli made is rare coming straight straight from and so I think um as as Arsenal fans this season we just need to be patient and I kind of hope he goes out on loan especially with some of the other reported signings it will be interesting to see what his role will be and and how he does progress on yeah I like how you met signings because obviously the transfer window hot stove is cooking now about to be in flames but I think that take some pressure off him. I think when we Martinelli, we were at such, we were at a change of manager. We were desperate for somebody to um, come in and make a difference. I don't think anybody thought Martinelli would, but he started to get some games, started to score some goals and all. He was the chosen one. Yeah. I, I think it would be another European team. I know we've had some recent loans today sealed in the air to VC. Um, that's would I think would be a really good place in Brazilians typically do well there. Um, but if he, I mean, if he gets a chance to cups or even, I mean, he could play with the U23s. I think that would be fine. I think the other signing should hopefully take some pressure off him. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of other signings, what do you guys think of, of Fabio Vieira? Uh, signed from Porto. Uh, again, it's not official, but all reports seem to say that it will be announced uh, on Tuesday, the twenty-first. Um, yeah, Kev, what do you think? First thoughts, man. That was last Thursday, I believe, the start of my week and a half long vacation, and I'm sitting there. Well, should I say I worked half a day on Thursday? And I'm sitting there at work. Not much is happening Thursday morning. All of a sudden, my watch just starts vibrating like crazy. And I'm looking and it says that Vieira is closing in on an Arsenal deal. And my first thought is, who the heck is this dude? And then it didn't take long. And you realize we are signing the next world superstar. And obviously exaggerating a little bit, but just so out of the blue and it was first reported by i think that portuguese writer and i remember texting our group saying like is this dude legit because you just haven't we we talk about transfers every week on this pod and it was wild to me that this dude i had never once seen linked with us and all of a sudden it seems like a done deal yeah, it really did come out of nowhere. I think all of the in the know type of guys uh, on on Twitter were were caught off guard by this one being broken by uh, by someone that's just uh, maybe lesser known. And so, it, everybody's done their best to to create these comp videos and brushing up on on who is fabio Vieira and, and what is his potential nick what have you heard in terms of comps skills uh strengths where, where do you think he'll play for us yeah uh, first i will say i really enjoyed this one coming out of the blue um i mean all of a sudden it came out of nowhere and seemed to progress faster than about anything really since about meza ozil and i think you know there's a lot going around about how when michael started the leaks were so bad um, and United's kind of under that right now, but 
things are pretty airtight inside London Colony. And at least with that, uh, it sounds like Arteta has been a fan and they've been watching him for about a year now. And if he's watched a player for a year and says, yes, I want him, um, I'm very much okay with it. And I think it was actually good business because we didn't even have to meet his release clause. So um, that's something that I think is kind of going under the radar that we were able to negotiate and get a deal for Portugal's U23 captain. Uh, he was player of the tournament last year at the U21 Euros. And uh, yeah, he's a player I'd never heard of. I'll be completely honest, but, you know, winning a very prestigious award that is won by Luis Figo, um, Carlos Tevez, I believe. Oh, not Tevez. Uh, I, I read a list a while ago, but it was full of full of incredible players, and uh, he had won that. I mean, we know U21 talent. U21, you can register for that until you're, you're 23, so riddle me that, but it's usually chock full of young talent, and uh, yeah, he won that award and was influential in Portugal making a deep run in that. So seeing he can play any of the midfield positions kind of except the holding mid played a lot of the attacking mid in the hole for Porto um, seeing a lot of similarities to Bernardo Silva, but uh, in terms of nationally, but also seeing lots of similarities to Martin Odegaard. So, um, which I think is great because we haven't had a like for like replacement for Odegaard. I know a lot of people say Smith Rowe, but he is a different type of player. Whereas, uh, Vieira is more of a similar ilk. Um, also seeing potential he could play in that left eight, kind of where Granite Xhaka is right now. Lots of talk going around about that position. But again, as we talked a little bit about with Marquinhos and his versatility, versatility is very, very clearly important to Arteta. I will take a couple bonus points away for that dodgy goatee that he has. Um, he's at the Arsenal now, so... We got to clean that up a little bit. I think this deal's all but done. He was in Greece, and the plane trackers were out. Flew flew to London, got it done with a fresh trim. Uh, is back in Greece, so a quick, quick trip. But, yeah, the fact that we splashed that amount for a player that not too many have heard about, I think says a lot about him. Very calm on the ball, loves threading a through ball, loves clipping him over the top. Loves putting them on the ground through to strikers. I mean, showed a very high number of goals um, and especially assists in limited starts. I mean, he didn't get to start consistently um, till towards about halfway through the season, but played Champions League as well. So, I mean, great, great experience that we're getting for a very young player that just turned 22. So, yeah, excited. I mean, we talked all you know towards last year about just needing depth, and now we're adding it. Um, and it's exciting because it's a player we don't know, and he kind of has a clean slate with us because we just don't know anything about him um, outside of the videos. But I do have a, um, a player that used to play for me from Portugal, and I asked him about Fabio Vieira, and he sent me a voice message, but said he's he's so good he's very two-footed said he takes um set pieces with either foot which i hadn't heard he looked very left-footed to me but um said he's definitely 
somebody that um, and I think we coupled a fast one by getting him um, in such good business. Yeah, it it does seem like this happened quietly and fast and under the radar because I think Arsenal saw an opportunity to pounce on a talent that maybe wasn't quite in the plans as the summer started. They've been tracking him, but then with uh, there are a few rumors of Tottenham uh, leading up to it, and it seems like we just kind of snuck in and he found uh, the right side of North London. Also, upon further investigation, he is able to grow a full beard, albeit a slightly patchy one. And so I wonder just how that will play out throughout the season. I think that's one thing we really need to track is his bearding ability. Do you, can and you teach him something? I He's still young, so <laughs> it's okay. It can grow in. Uh, Perhaps. Just, uh, Maybe he can come through a little thicker. That your analysis of it, Kevin? Yeah. And, well, think about the difference in weather between Portugal and England. And the beard may be a necessary item for him to help facilitate his his life in London. And I think one of the things that excites me the most is I don't even know that he is in our starting 11 next year. But seeing the reaction from Porto fans being so distraught and pissed over his transfer is exciting for me. And there's so many tweets I saw that I had to use the translate button on. And they were just furious at that business that Porto allowed to have happen. And one of the big stories I saw from one of the top Portuguese or top Porto writers was saying that they most of them believed that city were going to be in for him next summer. And whenever you hear that, it's exciting for you. And that was over 90 minutes last season. His goals and assists were 1.15 per 90 minutes. And just for comparison, Saka was at 0.54. Kevin De Bruyne was 0.94, Salah was 1.17, Kai Havertz was 0.55, and Son was 0.9. So you see that, and you see just the absolute quality and end product that this guy will be adding into the squad. Yeah, I think we need goals, and uh, we need end product, so I'm all about it. Love, Love hearing those kind of numbers. Yeah, I think, and again, that just points to this idea of our strategy of getting players who can push, move forward, create, um, and and really start to 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 go for it. And so, while we're on the the that topic, let's just jump to to a few rumors that have come up and and really heating Ooh. up these days. So, Nick, I know you're super excited about this one, but Rafinha looks like there's some serious movement. Uh, Just minutes before we started recording, 
Fabrizio Romano on his podcast said that Arsenal have officially met with Leeds and things are shaping up, um, but that Leeds is now asking for even more money. And so, yeah, I'm wondering what, what do you think of this latest rumor? I love it because I love him as a player, but I do love the profile as somebody to attack, be very direct, and uh, yeah, we need goals, and Rafinha brings goals. I mean, had a great output. Um, I think it was 11 goals, three assists at a very nearly relegated leads, and you put him in a better team, He's. you'd like to think he would produce more. I don't know what this would mean for Saka. Uh, I'm seeing rival fans think that this will mean Saka will leave, but I think it's more of a we need attacking signings. We need depth. We need more quality. So I think, uh, I think Saka moves out left because he can – do about anything and uh now our front line even looks even more dangerous and i think this brings some more balance i think um yeah it's interesting how much pace this one has picked up um we all thought if leeds was relegated we could pick them off at their garage sale but they survived but i think even through that everybody knew he was leaving it seemed like barca was the place but it seems like barca has no money and uh, I saw they were trying to re-sign Dembele, which would ultimately save them money because they have him and don't need to pay a transfer fee. So that would probably be the best business for the, him or for the club. And I think if they re-sign him, then I don't think they can do that. I've seen rumors that if they sell Frankie de Jong to United, now they're going to have enough to buy Rafinha. And I just, it's, uh, I think it's getting to the point where Leeds is, I mean, I know the window just opened, but I think Leeds has more business to do of their own. And I think Rafinha wants out. He's at the peak of his career and does not want to go through another relegation battle with a new manager now. So I think he's thinking I need to take advantage of my form in this point in my career and I need to do something for me. So, I mean, he's a full, uh, you know, a traditional starter for the, national team which i think would be incredible for us to pick up another player of that stature uh, two years in in the premier league so shows that he can do it um and to serve and um, entertain one of the toughest fan bases in the league i think says a lot about him and uh man would just be so excited what an incredible left foot he has so aesthetically pleasing to watch when he's on the ball and just would dream about him combining with Odegaard and Saka in a competent center forward. I guess that's one thing you can think about with Leeds. I mean, they didn't have, I mean, Patrick Bamford was out nearly the entire season and they were center forward by committee. Dan James coming in, Jack Harrison, um, Rodrigo, other than you know, Bamford who is capable and, you think at Arsenal, we've kind of been in that spot too. And if we could get a center forward, maybe his compatriot at Brazil, Gabriel Jesus, now we're able to combine and be even more lethal moving forward. So, yeah. Um, There's a lot there. There, There is a lot. I've done a lot of research. Today was a busy day 
for the I woke up to the Rafinha news. Obviously, we wake up here and uh, the day the day has already been going across the pond and uh, got to wake up to some great juicy Rafinha news. It seems like he wants Barca, but I think all parties involved are maybe thinking a deal can get done elsewhere and we don't know if a Barcelona deal could get done. So it sounds like his agent is the legendary Deco. Uh, Portuguese legend. He um, was in London today. So if he met with Arsenal, and you had mentioned Fabrizio said that the clubs had conversations. That that means to me that we want this to happen. Um, I I think I said this to you guys, but I don't think I have been so excited about a signing since Aubameyang. I would even argue um, before that. And maybe you could go to the Meza Ozil signing. I don't think anything will top that, but I think that was the last time I was uh, really, really like, oh my gosh, we got to get this done because he's such an entertainer, and I think he's such he's in such a status that uh, that would just be really exciting for us to have. I'll stop now. I could talk all yeah. day about it. Very excited. <laughs> yeah, as you should be. I mean, he is a top talent in the Prem, and and one where. It just continues to show our ascent and uh, as a club again, and our intent that we are not okay finishing fifth. And I mean, we, uh, we haven't signed an attacker in ages, it seems like. And so the fact that not only are we linked with one, but linked with a very good one, is like, oh my gosh, we've been starving, and you know, not we've improved the defense, we've improved the midfield. Now we get a chance to improve that front line. Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. So Kevin, I'll throw it over to you. What do you what do you think uh, this front three would look like? Gunnerblog uh, had a tweet today where he understands that Saka is very much in the plans. He is not going anywhere. Negotiations are ongoing for a contract extension, but the plan would be for Rafinha to replace your boy Pepe and have a more fluid group of attackers like Manchester City, who are relatively interchangeable across the top. Which would also fit the pro- the profile of Gabriel Jesus, and so I just wonder what uh, what excites you about that. The the flexibility for me is by far the most exciting thing. I know Gunnar Blog talked about on one of his last pods that Rafinha also can play the false nine, and that doesn't mean that I see him playing over. I feel like we are almost treating Jesus like it's a done deal. Just for the sake of argument, I'll say that Jesus is an Arsenal player for next season. Talking about Rafinha as a false nine doesn't necessarily mean over Eddie, but I think it gives us that flexibility within the match. So if we need a midfield substitute or other things and don't necessarily have to bring Eddie on for that role. But I think that you're right. He can play anywhere across that front. And when you look at guys like Saka that, can move anywhere even jesus can move out wide and has done it for city it gives you such such a difficult squad to prepare for and will allow us to be so fluid in the attack and i think one of the even deeper deeper than that one of the big transitions arsenal are making now is i i hate to say this nick but i feel like the end i feel like the rob holding five defender era maybe ending soon 
for for the Gunners. And by saying that, I mean that I think we're bringing in guys that can possess the ball, that can keep the ball, and we can begin to pass teams to death at the end of matches, much like City and Liverpool and those teams do, instead of having to bring on holding and kind of batten down the hatches a little bit and hold on. I don't know. What do yeah. you guys – do you see that being – Am I off in that realization, or are you with me there? I prefer doing that than battening down the hatches and, and packing it in. I do think it's still valuable for us to be that level block, but we are definitely that window by window getting to – you have to – on the ball and of this uh, window has been special already. Yeah. And I think one of the other things we notice is, uh, about this, these uh, links are the ability for these guys to press. All of them are just high work rate guys who are going to run so hard and press really high you know, the, it's been going around everywhere, but Pep said Gabriel Jesus is the, the best pressing forward in the league, and Rafinha had more presses and sprints in the final third than, uh, or defensive sprints uh, in the attacking half than a lot of other players. And then we have Saka and we have Odegaard who are already pressing machines and bring in Eddie who did an awesome job of pressing. Um, I think... Again, we're just going to see the ability for us to press really, really high up the pitch and can try to control the game in other teams' final, uh, other teams' first third. Yeah, I love that because um, pressing teams are teams that win. I mean, the league is pretty much just teams that press more. I mean, I the article on that. Um, so. Yeah, let's let's action. Absolutely. And so uh, we probably should talk about Eddie. He did sign a new contract. He was given the number 14 shirt, which is a big deal in Arsenal history. Um, he was out of contract, signed back in, and now he's our player. Uh, I'm torn on it, but I'm wondering, do you guys have uh, more definite Tell opinions? Tell us your torn. So I think this is a really good piece of business. I think that losing Eddie for free would have just been a great travesty. Uh, a good young English player who has the U21 goal record for, for England to just let him walk out the door was insane. I don't know if he can do it at the top level. But when he's gotten time, he's produced goals everywhere he's played. And so he doesn't look like a player who's going to light things on fire. And yet he has such a good goal scoring record. And so my eyes and my brain deceive me. I think if you would post his stats uh, in a blind taste test, I think I would be more excited about assigning someone like him. Uh, if he, if he, we haven't watched him grow up and play for us for the last few years. And so, um, 
so yeah, I think it's a great piece of business because at least we will be able to sell him in a year's time if we find some other upgrades in that center forward position. But there's also the chance that he just comes on and does a job. He's still really young. I think he's only 22 and hasn't even hit the prime of his career yet and hasn't had a ton of chances like uh, some of our other guys. And so I think with time and chance, you know, maybe it does work out. He's in training every day, and so they see what they have. I'm just curious as to if he's the guy that's going to push us over the top, or is it just really smart business in signing your second string center forward? I don't think he is the guy right now. He could be the guy. Maybe. Do I think he could be guys for sure? And, you know, he came casting. I need a chance. I need to play. Um, and if I get a chance, I will take And he sure did that. I mean, we were in the position we were in because of him. Player coming in and making impact in the second the season. Definitely Eddie and Katia. So, you know, it, it excites me to have, I mean, if it, um, more mobile and, and talented in the likes of Jesus, but I really think, yeah, like you said, it's it's good business, and especially if we do end up selling him, but I don't think that's the plan. It seems like, I mean, pushing really hard to get Eddie, uh, as mentioned for a long, I mean, pretty much all last season, even before he was consistently playing, mentioning that and how he wanted him. Um, but definitely, definitely all for keeping him. And he's been training like a beast. I, I think, uh, left a switch and I think he's grown the mentality. I mean, he seems to, and I think, I think he sees an opportunity, especially Europe. I think going to get the most out of Eddie so far. I mean, Monster. His hold up play was better. I'm I don't care what number he would wear. Um, he really got some flack for that. Uh, I'm he's a hail end boy, and I'm ex- getting a fair chance. Yeah, it seems like the the him getting the fourteen kit doesn't really bother you, Kevin. What about you? I am I'm in the same boat as Nick. I honestly, I don't know about you guys. I didn't see very much hate on Twitter towards him. And maybe that's because I just, so many of the Arsenal accounts that seem to be negative all the time, I don't follow because I don't, I don't need that negative energy in my life. It gets tiring seeing that all the time. But so I was a bit surprised when I saw Gabrielle's tweet about, about that signing and I yeah, even for tried those to who don't, yeah those who don't know he said how can you be so ungrateful omg and that was definitely at the same time when eddie was announced with the 14 yeah so yeah that's certainly what it appeared it was directed towards and 
pretty much agree with everything you had to say about him. A great signing that, or a great job of re-signing a guy that just makes sense. I think he knows the system. It allows us to spend to strengthen other areas. Also, we don't need to spend on a second center for. So hopefully a guy like Vieira was brought in simply because we saved money on Eddie. Not sure what happened, but we had some technical difficulties. But while we're here, this episode of the Arsenal Bros podcast is sponsored by Sleepy Time Tea, the only beverage that gets Benji to sleep and has the best dreams with it. Sleepy Time Tea, go get yourself some. What happened? I have no idea. Weird. Yeah. Wonder if Kev's just still talking. <laughs> I'm pumped about Eddie. I think, I really think. Do I ever think he'll be the guy? I don't think I can confidently say that, but mm-hmm. I do think. Uh, yeah, I I think I think we've shown him take a step in many ways and. Hope he's just a mentality monster this year. Yeah. Even just watching him train, I mean, he's just seems like a beast. Yeah. No, I I that's the thing. I just think. Yeah, I do think he's gonna be I think he'll turn it up. I just wonder how how much he has to turn up. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the chance I mean. I think he's going to get more of a chance than he did this year. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm all for that. So we will see. Kev, I don't know what happened, man, but we're, we're back on and, and we're we're heaping praise on Eddie and Kedia. And I, I mean, I think having Europe is great. I really don't think if he was going to leave, he might have played more, but he was definitely going to, um, I think, status wise, not. He's going to go to a mid-table club, maybe even abroad. I saw lots of Bundesliga links, and I think I, he just, for some reason, he seems like he's really got a chip on his shoulder, and I think he really wants to prove himself here at Arsenal, and now he's got he's got a number to put some pressure on him, and I think I was, you know, I talked about, I think, last pod, um he, you know, Saka, Smith Rowe, rising to a level of a new number, carrying that responsibility and that weight. I think, uh, I hope we see Eddie do that. So, Kev, I don't really know when, uh, when it kind of stopped, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I got done talking and looked down and said I was the only one in the room. <laughs> it was like I didn't think what I said was that offensive and your take was absolute trash. You're like, yep, yeah, we're we're cutting this cutting this right now. But just to sum it up, I just said that Eddie was a piece of business that I was really happy with and I think puts us in a good position to get other deals done. Yeah, I think that's the key. We're we're excited about his rise, but this also allows us to do more. Yeah. And I think we all are aware that we need to do more. The squad isn't exactly where it needs to be. And we we talked a lot uh, 
last season just about how fatigue and lack of squad depth really couldn't push us over the finish line of where we ideally hoped to be. And so it looks like that's starting to change. And I just uh, did a little bit of a dive <clears throat> uh, through some of the our selling data because I think the the Eddie business was really good. And it shows the shift in how we're conducting. But there's been a lot of stuff of, oh, who are we going to sell? We aren't a selling club. We need to get more for our players. But I think this is a sign of intent of, okay, we're going to do things differently. But I also wanted to compare us to some of the other top six squads and just see, you know, how do we actually stack up comparatively with the top six of United Spuds, Liverpool, City, Chelsea. And honestly, our sales record is not that much different. So looking at sales and transfers in over the last five years, I was able to see that we you we spend um, we sell about forty three percent of what we spend. So for numbers wise, that's three hundred and eight million out, but and we spend seven hundred and eleven bringing players in million in, and so that's forty three percent of our transfers out funding our transfers in. And so just for comparison, Manchester City, 46%. Manchester United, an abysmal 28%. Spuds, 46%. The average of the top six squad was 49% of their outgoings fund their incomings. You following with me, guys, so far? Yes, this is uh, this is great work. I'm tracking so we we aren't that far off. And I think the big kicker is of all the top six squads, we're the only one without a marquee sale, meaning we don't have a sale that was just over 50 million. So Chelsea had quite a few giant sales with Hazard, with Costa. Uh, Liverpool had Sterling or... Um, and a few others. City had countless, um, their latest being Ferran Torres. United, United's was 28%, and they still had uh, the sale of, oh, who is it? Who was their big sale a couple years ago? Do you guys remember? Um, they sold Lukaku. Yes, that was it, for $88 okay. million. Jeez. Who did they buy with that money? Sancho. <laughs> a couple years afterwards. Yeah. I mean, they spent $50 million on Fred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, could you imagine if Arsenal spent $50 million on Fred? We'd never hear the end of it. We, we wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know how you know how he gets away with it. Mm-hmm. And don't- then Spurs had the $65 million sale of Kyle Walker to City. Wow. And so our, our biggest sale during that time was, I believe, Joe Willick. And yeah. 35, 35 million. And so 
we're actually doing more consistent business without selling off some of our bigger stars and bigger players. Plus all the work we did uh, offloading those big-time salaries to cut the wage bill. I actually feel like as a club, we're in a really good spot with how we're handling sales, how we're handling and balancing our books from incomings and outgoings. And so while I do think there's a signal of intent to do this even better, uh, it is very clear that we, we have shifted and changed things. Yeah. The Awobi deal was great too. Mm-hmm. I feel like we ran Everton. We might be the reason why Everton struggled so much this year. <laughs> and Awobi is one of their best players, but I that's that's very true. Yeah, but it, I, keep okay. going. Hey, ben, I think you nailed it when us clearing clearing the wage bill to do what we're linked and rumored to do this summer was the biggest thing. And I don't think we saw the importance of it. I think it was easy to think a lot of this was um, about getting some bad apples out or getting all Arteta players, which I do think is part of it. But I think a, the bigger part of it is clearing the wages to go out and and give extensions to young deserving players that we want to keep around, but also bring in talent uh, to replace the talent that wasn't playing. Absolutely. I also think it's easier for us to, for us as an Arsenal fan base to be critical of Arsenal rumors, because that's what we know. (laughs) <laughs> and that's, that's what we're around every day. And it's it's even easy for us to put, to criticize Spurs and United and all these other clubs. But if we knew the depths of some of their issues that surely exist, it would be much easier for us to criticize them. Yeah. And I think that's where, as a fan base, we need to be patient and continue to support what's going on because the moves that we've seen have all been positive over these last two years. Once we finally got our back room sorted, once we got the right people in the right place, once we saw a different level of investment of our owners, I think things have looked really good. Yeah, I think we look at last window alone, it was so refreshing because everything seemed to have a plan. And I I don't think Wenger ever got this kind of backing, and which disappoints me because if he did, it makes me think of how many more trophies he could have won. But you know, Mikel is clearly getting it while he's growing as well, and I think you know we're seeing the benefits of it. I mean, just that the intent and the the pace that we're moving at so far this window is just crazy. The reliable links are flowing uh, like milk and honey. And it's like, oh my gosh, have, have we made it? And this is all without Champions League. So it tells me a lot about the work that Mikel and Edu have done. I know the window isn't done. And all we signed so far is Marquinhos and Enkedia extension, Saliba coming back. I mean, I, I guess all I, I'm saying all that we've done, and I'm already mentioning numerous big pieces of business that have been done. Um, quickly, and that's without even mentioning Fabio Vieira. So, yeah, I guess I mean even the amount of work that we've done so far is 
important and very interested to see what happens next. There's lots of big needs that still need to be done, but I think, I mean, just with these more concrete, reliable links, it's like, well, we really like where our head's at. That's for sure. These are all needed things. It's not like we're recruiting another right back or not like we're recruiting another center back. Just something that we have. I felt like we went through so many windows where we kept signing midfielders and and not that center forward that we needed. And ultimately, I think we paid for that. But now the, the intent seems to be there. And, and I would say this too. I feel like... We are working on the harder deals first and leaving maybe more doable deals or quicker deals for the end of the window. And I do think that match is pretty similar for the most part to last window. I think the ones we left late, um, Odegaard, I, I think we had to wait for Madrid to see where they were at, but I think we anticipated that um, they he was going to be surplus to needs and we were going to get him for cheap for him and we did and Tomiyasu was deadline day and I also thought that that was just going to be a conversation with Bologna and we were going to pay them and that was pretty easy and we worked through harder deals like Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale um, those were quite strung out it sounds like um, in in you know financially had to had to pony up a bit too but i think though um you know with, with the rafinha with the jesus with the tealmans uh, rafinha and jesus it seems like those are taking a little longer and we're having to hammer those out a little bit and i think that's pushing the tealmans to the back burner a little bit just in in anticipation that well, I I don't think I've seen any other suitors for him, and maybe he's a little underwhelmed by that. Maybe Lester's underwhelmed by that one year left. It's, he will not sign a new deal, and so if Lester's smart, they, they need to sell. So I think we are in a good position with him, so we push it off, and if we can get him for a good deal, amazing. If we don't, I don't think that's too much skin off our back, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard there's also just what's Granite Jaka's future. Kevin pointed out uh, earlier in our chat that uh, Roma just signed Matic, um, and so that probably eliminates them signing Granite Jaka, and so his future's a little bit up in the air. And with him in Telemans, and and who else could possibly play that that left sided eight? Um, kind of puts some some things in doubt of, of what are we gonna do, and so. I think it's smart to wait and see what energy, what uh, rumors come up for the sale of some of our players who might be moving on this season. Yeah, Ho and hopefully the Pepe deal, wherever he goes, can get done here quickly and that we can just obviously take a loss on him, but get him out and then continue to get these big names in but i've not even seen much rumors lately that we're waiting on pepe deal to get done in order for a guy like rafinha which is super super exciting and going back to what nick said isn't isn't it a scary thought to think where we would be at if we hadn't signed tomiyasu on deadline day Oof. wow no doubt yeah that would uh that would be super scary 
Um, well, I do have a few questions just about some of our current players and what do these transfer mean, rumors mean for them. And I think the two who I, I have the biggest questions about are Smith Rowe and Martinelli. As we look to bolster our front line, Sokka pretty much, it feels like, unless something terrible happens, has cemented his place as a starter. But the other two, I mean, they were jockeying back and forth most of the season. What does uh, signing like Rafinha, like uh, Gabriel Jesus, mean for these two as we build this depth? Do you think they're in the right sp- the right position? Do you think they're going to have to change positions? I think it's a big question um, as they're both kind of growing. They have the the number 10 and 11 kits, which shows they're very much a part of the plan. But I also know that we're, we're about to splash some cash on, on a few great players. And so where do you guys see their futures? What do you think this means for them? And uh, yeah, I'd love to love to, kind of travel down that rabbit hole i'll take this one to start off with and i'll let nick add his brilliant insights afterwards the the word that comes to mind for me is rotation and you look at did Saka? i correct me if i'm wrong did Saka start all 38 premier league games this year i believe so I think so. He at least is, played in them all, which means he probably started. Yeah, which is wild. And I think he needs rest. And I think we're going to see much more rotation up front. And I'm, I'm confident Nelly is going to play somewhere up there. Now, I don't know if he'll be on the first 11 to begin with. And obviously, we've talked about going away from that first 11, but I think if you look at a front three of Saka, Rafinha, and Jesus, I don't see Martinelli getting into that all the time. But I think he's a guy who can come in and completely change the game for us and add just an element that even those other guys don't necessarily have. So I think that we'll see, we'll still see him getting plenty of minutes. And I think Saka's starts will drop down, my guess would be probably the low 30s for him, assuming he's completely fit. But it will look much more like a Liverpool front three this year where it seems like they rotate almost every other game. And I've talked about it before. We've talked about it so many times. One of the biggest questions is where is Smith Rowe going to play? And the Vieira signing just complicates that so much more because we're being told that he plays all over the park. And they said he played as a false nine for Porto. He played out on the right. He played the 10. He played the eight. You're kind of like, crap, where the F is he going to play for us? And my first thought was he'll help play the 10 behind Martinelli or behind Smith, behind Odegaard. And that was where I really felt like Smith Rowe may end up falling so that move is just so – it'll be exciting to see where they move Smith Rowe. We've talked about him as a left-sided eight, potentially also. But that is that is a question I honestly have absolutely no clue as to where he's going to end up. Yeah, I think um, – I saw a tweet from Adam Voge, who's 
he's great and does a lot of fellow fellow American. He does a lot of really great um, analytical stuff about um, just different Arsenal players and theories and things like that. He does a great job worth a follow, but he had mentioned um, that kind of uh, like what you said, Kevin Martinelli and Smith Rowe becoming a little more rotational. And I think that proved by the end of the season, we look at them against Newcastle and neither of them were the dude that we needed them to be in a game like that. And yeah, I just, they're not quite ready and that's okay. I'd rather put the pressure on somebody else and let them continue to holistically grow, getting time, um, consistent time. I mean, we're going to add hopefully 15 plus games in Europa League and FA Cups. I mean, I hope we can get around that mark and in that way, these guys are getting more times. We can rotate more. And now we're getting closer to having two 11s. And now we're getting to a position where we can rotate. We can make decisions tactically. The Smith Rowe conundrum is beyond me. And I'm trying to get some insight into somebody who can tell me what position he has a future at. Um, but I, you know, nobody can answer that just because I think his versatility is such a unique skill set i don't think anybody's trying to pigeonhole him into anything so i'm okay with that and he's obviously talented and we just need him healthy and i hope that with him being slightly more rotational um he can do that i hope it doesn't dent his confidence i trust he'll be able to get maybe more games in in europa and just continue his development and you know if he's not fully fit then we don't have to have him make the bench we can be honest with him and keep him fresh and take care of him because he is young there's no reason to run him into the ground now so i uh yeah i really hope that they don't they see it they don't, don't see it as a blow i just hope they see it as us getting better and protecting them so they can steadily walk into their prime um, without the pressure of, hey, you need to do this right now. I think Saka's, um, he's grown at such a hyper rate, and I really think it's um, a bit of an anomaly of just how fast he's gotten into this position, but I wouldn't expect these other two to get there yet, and I think these other signings, um, take some pressure off them, which I think would be great. Yeah, you and you look at Europa, especially those opening group stage matches and the potential lineup we could throw out there. And I think Sambi can get his chance mm-hmm. as the six. Then you can look at Vieira as the eight and Smith Rowe as the ten. And I'm like, man, that is a nasty lineup. And then put Martinelli out wide, Eddie central, and then whoever else we want out on the right, that's just a, we can really blood teams in that competition with that lineup that we could be rolling out there and just so flexible, which again, we, we keep using that word with Arteta, but that's what excites me so much. Yeah. Having this amount of depth really just kind of makes it a, a little bit of an urgency to clear our Thursday nights and make sure we can watch all of the 
the Europa League competition because I think it's going to be it's always fun to see us trotting out some really young players, but to see us trotting out such a um, a formidable, still young side could be really fun as we just continue to to see what who we've recruited, what we had, how how players develop. And I, I just want to add the Premier League switching to five subs this year is. I think a, a giant factor in why we're trying to bolster our front. If we're going to press so much that we need more players up front who can do a job and, and come in and uh, just, you saw some of the the matches where Martinelli and Smith Rowe came in off the bench and they just changed the game, especially against tired competition. And so I think the five sub rule will really, really, uh, benefit us if we can kind of cross the lines on these signings and and get some more cover up front. Yeah, I mean, you get me more excited about Europa than I probably should be, but I really think that's a we should be favorites in that. I don't know what the draw is. I don't even know the other teams in, but with the the rate that we're growing and the window that we're looking to have, we should be favorites at least for the semifinal. And at that point. Now, now we're again seeing our players get on these stages where we need them to be in more pressurized moments in these fixtures to prepare us for hopeful Champions League fixtures. And this will be, I think, more important for Mikel to be able to manage these two-legged games, but also manage the final. I know he did in the FA Cup run. I want to see it again on the European stage because that's the stage. I mean, that's the ultimate goal and uh, winning a European trophy, even it being the Europa League, I want to get back in the Champions League. We have Now we have two routes that we can get there. Let's make sure we do it. But Ben, you bring up a great point with the five subs, and we're going to, we've always talked about squad depth, and now we have a chance to get some of these. We're going to get a lot of guys a lot of time, and uh, if we do have to change things up with an injury or whatever, Maybe we're in a position where we haven't had a guy as a castaway for four months, and now we need him to come in and play and, and make a difference. So, yeah, I'm uh, really, really excited about this season. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good things going on, and I think uh, we'll wrap it up there. I have a few more questions about uh, just update on our fringe players looking at uh, transfer from around the league, looking at our back line, some of the changes. What does a Lissandro Martinez assigning do to our back line, to our holding midfield? So there's a lot more to unpack, but I think we'll just have to wait for that till uh, next week. We might have a lot more information by next week, so we, we can plan on it, but... It's uh, it's easy for the stuff to rack up pretty fast. Ben, yeah, it's been good. an honor having you run this show. Yeah, well done, Benji. I hope uh, hope you enjoyed hosting duties. Uh, it was fun. It was uh, it was a it was a good change of pace. I like it. It's good for our listeners too. I think so. We got to keep them on their toes. No doubt. We want to end with a quick rapid fire round. I think so. I like that. 
All right. Uh, Kevin, who should be the most worried about signing uh, center back or left back? Gabrielle, Tierney, Nuno, or Saliba? Ooh, great question. Quick answer, Nuno. Ooh, okay. Nick, same question. Yeah, Nuno for sure. Although KTC is getting a little hot, if you ask me. That's for another pod. Yeah. Oof. Spicy. Yep. Who do you think will be our first sale, Nick? Oh, gosh. I hope it's Pepe. If we can sell Pepe soon, this window's about to bang. But I I haven't seen rumors to anyone. I'm going to say Pepe just because I hope it happens. Kevin, who will be officially our next signing after Vieira? After Vieira, Gabriel Jesus getting the number nine. Woo! Love that. I love, I love that. Um, and we'll wrap it off. All three of us will answer based off of our transfer business to date. Where do you think we wind up in the top six? I think we're finishing fourth, at least fourth, and getting to the semifinals of Europa. Those are my expectations. Kevin? Those are great expectations. I will also go fourth place and winning a major trophy. I love it. I'm going to go third. Nice. Ooh. And I also think that we will make the Europa final. I really think you don't want to play us. I think it's going to be dangerous next year. I mean, we we obviously got a a window to get through, but I think uh, we're on the up, and that's undeniable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't wait, but we yeah. got all we got all summer to speculate, and uh, <laughs> we're we're living and dying by the Twitter refresh every ten minutes. I can't. I can go ten minutes, and I got I got to refresh it again because that is how fast this news is coming. Yeah, I uh, I have to set some some time blocks on my Twitter on my phone, otherwise I become significantly less productive at work. Yeah. Well. There's always other jobs. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on and wrapping up before your boss hears this. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's well, been real. Yeah. Thanks for uh joining us for Kevin and Nick. I'm Ben. And uh thanks for listening to the Arsenal Bros podcast. And there you have it, folks. Easy to talk a lot about all the craziness of a summer transfer window. The rumors, the leaks, the deals, the in the nose, everything in between. We're excited about Fabio Vieira, and we're very excited about things to come. Up the Arsenal.